And as we have studied Hosea, we have learned that there was an illustration that God gave Hosea to go and marry Gomer. And Gomer was a wife who was unfaithful to represent how Israel had been unfaithful to God. But then God said to Hosea, go and get Gomer and bring her back and love her. An illustration of how God loves his people even when they go astray. We also heard God have a case against Israel, listing their sins and how they had worshipped false gods and how they had abandoned him. And then last week we saw how they responded when they heard God tell them what you've done wrong. They basically said to God, we don't care. They responded with arrogance. They responded with cluelessness. Have you ever heard these words or said these words? This is going to hurt me more than you. You've probably said them, parents, as you're about to discipline your child. As a kid, you probably heard your parents tell you that just when the hand was getting ready to swat your behind. Was it true? I guess it depends on your perspective. If you are a parent and you have to discipline your kids and you have to see them hurt and suffer from that discipline, it probably does hurt because you want more for them. And you don't want to see them suffer the consequences of their disobedience and their sin and their mistakes. So that does hurt. Uh, If you're a child, I don't think you believe that when your parents tell you that because the pain of the suffering or the discipline or the loss that you experience seems to hurt far more than what your parent is experiencing. Well, this morning, as God told His people their sins, and was hoping for a response of repentance. Since they did not, now it is time for the discipline. And it's time for the judgment. And Hosea 9.9 says this, They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the day of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Why did God punish the people of Israel? Remember, they had made a promise to each other. You can read it at the end of Deuteronomy as Moses is speaking to the people, reminding them of their position as God's people. God said to them, if you obey me and you worship me, I will bless you. I'll bless you with uh, a land to live in. I'll bless you with crops. I'll bless you with large families. I'll bless you with long life. But... If you worship false gods, if you disobey me, you break the laws that I have given you, I will curse you. And if you read the curses, it's almost the opposite of the blessings. Exile from land, short life, childlessness, a land that doesn't produce anything. And the people agreed to this covenant. In a sense, like we said, this was like a marriage. The people said, yes, God, we will agree to this. We will obey you, and we will worship you, and we will accept your blessing. Well, if God was going to keep his promise and give them blessing when they obeyed, he had to keep his promise and bring discipline when they disobeyed. And that is why now the people are hearing 
this warning that judgment is coming. But I also want us to see how patient God was with them. Uh, the nation of Israel was in existence for 208 years. Remember, the nation of Israel was the northern part of the kingdom. Saul was king. David was king. Solomon was king of a united kingdom of 12 tribes. When Solomon died, it was divided. Judah, the one tribe really that was left to the south in the northern kingdom with 10 tribes, ruled by 19 evil kings over 208 years. And Hosea himself spoke to seven of those last kings over 35 years. So this is my point. God warned them year after year, warned them king after king, warned them prophet after prophet. You see, the nation of Israel from its beginning worshipped false gods. From its beginning, Jeroboam said to the people, don't bother going down to Jerusalem. That's too far to go. You know, it's a long trip. You'll, it's expensive. You don't have to go to Jerusalem and worship God in the temple. Don't bother doing that. I will build some altars up here. We'll have some calves that you can bow down to. We'll have some shrines where you can worship. And you can worship up here. And from its very beginning, the people of the northern kingdom of Israel worshipped false gods, abandoned God. And God had the right, right then to judge them. But he was patient. And he waited for generations. But even God's patience runs out. And now it was time. And it wasn't a pretty picture Listen to this in Hosea 5. God says, For I am like a lion to Ephraim, and like a young lion to the house of Judah. Yes, I will tear them to pieces and depart. I will carry them off, and no one can rescue them. In Hosea 13, I will be like a lion to them. I will lurk like a leopard on the path. I will attack them like a bear robbed of her cubs, and tear open the rib cage over their hearts. I will devour them there like a lioness, like a wild beast that will rip them open. I will destroy you, Israel. You have no help but me. I've never heard these verses put on a mug or a t-shirt. Uh, these are memory verses that we give our children. They're violent. They're harsh. Yet these are the words of God too. To a people who had completely abandoned God and would not repent. God's patience had run out. And God said, now is the time for you to face severe consequences. In your bulletin you will see in the sermon summary, a long list of the verses that describe the judgment that was to come on Israel. I won't spend this morning reading a bunch of those. I just want to summarize it for you in this way. In short, 
there was going to be a military conquest of the nation. The Assyrian Empire would come. And in their conquest of the land, bring total destruction. As you can imagine, warfare in those days was brutal. Warfare in any age is violent and brutal. The Assyrian Empire came, destroyed the cities, carried off the people, killed men, women, children. Not only was violence, I won't go into detail, there are children here. That meant the priests were gone, the king was gone. All these leaders that had not heeded the warning of God were gone. In 722 B.C., the nation of Israel was no more. And it was painful, and it was violent, and it was the just judgment on the nation. But when God disciplines, He always has a purpose. He said, I will depart and return to my place until they recognize their guilt and seek my face. They will search for me in their distress. The nation for 208 years refused to listen to God. Well, God was going to get their attention. And getting their attention in a tragic, violent, obvious way, maybe the people would wake up and see their God and return to their God. I know when we read these verses, and a lot of the prophets have similar verses of destruction, of violence. We think, how could this be God? We look at the New Testament especially and see God who speaks of love, He speaks of grace, of mercy. Here here is God saying, I'm going to devour you, I'm going to destroy you, I'm going to kill you. And for some people that's hard to... Comprehend, it's hard to put the two together. Uh, So in fact, some people just ignore these verses. That's why they're not read very much. We don't want to think about a God who acts in that way. But, But the truth is, if you read the Old and the New Testament, both God's wrath and His grace are on display in both. In the Old Testament, God was gracious to David and forgave him and was merciful when he committed adultery. And he committed murder. God told Moses to tell the people, I am compassionate and slow to anger. There is slow to anger, compassion, there's mercy, there's grace in the Old Testament. As well in the New Testament. In the New Testament there is wrath just as much as there is in the Old Testament. Remember the story in the book of Acts of Ananias and Sapphira, a married couple who sold a piece of land and they lied about how much the land cost. They brought money to the apostles as a gift to the church and they were saying that this was the whole amount. But it was a lie. They kept some for themselves. Immediately, 
Ananias was killed. When his wife Sapphira came to the church, she was killed. God struck them down. That sounds pretty wrathful to me. A lie and death as a consequence. Jesus spoke especially to the Pharisees, warning them of their hypocrisy, warning them of a fiery hell. Jesus spoke about judgment, about hell. So I want you to see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is a God of holiness and a God of love. And both have to exist for the other one to mean anything. God is a wonderful God, but I think sometimes we like to put him in a little box. And we have the sentimental God we put in a box. And he's safe, and he's comfortable, and he's cozy, and he's nice. Well, that's not God. God is holy, and God is loving. And it's both the same, just as much. And once that you could say God is a dangerous God, never think that we can tame him or put him in a box. I think we, if we understand that, we can understand why God judged the nation as he did. I, I want us to think more about our lives. Now, I want you to think about how you have taught children to do things. Parents, have you ever taught your kids how to tie shoes? Maybe how to save some money? Maybe how to cook? Maybe you've taught them how to use their tablet. No, I'm sorry, they teach you how to use your tablet. I, I forgot, I got that backwards. Anytime that you have taught your kids a skill, doesn't it take, I mean, some pain, some suffering because there's a step forward, there's two steps back. There may be literal pain if you're teaching them how to ride a bike and they fall off and they skin their knee. Uh, you know, there's correction. No, you're doing it wrong. You do it this way. So there's correction, there's pain, there's suffering, but it's all for a purpose. To teach them the skills they need in life. When they do something that is wrong, and you have to lecture them, or you have put them in a timeout, or you try to explain them something, or you uh, take a privilege away, take away the car keys from the teenager, make them write lines. Did you ever have to do that in school? That's an old school thing to do, isn't it? You have to go up on the chalkboard and you actually use chalk and write, I will not talk in class on the board a hundred times. I'm sure they don't do that now, do they, Jan? No, that, but anyway... Again, when children are disciplined, it's for a purpose. We don't want children to lie. We don't want them to hurt other people. We don't want them to, to take their brother and punch them in the face. Right? There, there are things that they need to learn. And when they disobey, when they do what is wrong, we correct it and we discipline. Unfortunately... I see more and more people in our society who have not been taught skills, nor have they been disciplined. And what you get then are adults who act like children. They may be old in age, but they're not mature. And so they're selfish. Uh, maybe they do lie, maybe they are violent. You know, they just haven't been taught. They haven't learned. 
And so a wise parent knows the importance of discipline. And the writer of Hebrews tells us this should be obvious to us, and therefore it should be obvious that God would discipline us. The writer of Hebrews says this, Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Do you hear what he's saying? He says, if you are suffering, be thankful. Because God is disciplining you. If, if you're not being disciplined, well, then maybe you're not even a child of God. So I know sometimes we think, well, gosh, I want a Christian life that has no problems and no suffering and no hurt. Well, if you had a life like that, maybe God's not even trying to do anything in your life because you're not even His. Have you ever thought about it that way? He continues, furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. Notice that true parents discipline, but parents are flawed. Parents aren't perfect. And parents have an idea of what they want their kids to be, and they discipline them based on that. But parents make mistakes. They use the wrong form of discipline, or maybe they teach kids the wrong thing. But nevertheless... Parents are respected for trying to raise their children properly. And if parents are respected and children submit to that discipline, shouldn't we who have a perfect father submit to his discipline? Because listen, God does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. And no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we talked about the ancient Israelites, and they were judged because they had to be disciplined for their sin. Brothers and sisters, God will discipline us for our sin. And we will suffer because of our sin. But we should see it as a good thing. Not that we sin is a good thing, but that God wants to train us as a good thing. That God wants us to be like His Son is a good thing. That suffering comes because it has a purpose, and that purpose is a good thing. See, there's suffering in life. I, I, sometimes the suffering comes as a task, sometimes it comes as discipline. And sometimes we may not be able to know the difference. And maybe it doesn't make a difference. I want you to think about the disciples. You know their story of how they were on the Sea of Galilee and how they were in a boat and how a storm came and they feared for their lives and they felt like they were going to drown? That was a serious storm, but it wasn't discipline because of their sin. It was a test of their faith. Those tests of faith are important in our lives too. If our faith is never tested, it never grows. If our faith is never tested, we never mature. If our faith is never tested, we never become like Jesus Christ. And that is the goal of our life. And that's why we have suffering and testing and discipline. So some storms of life are there as a test. Like the disciples, God will teach us a lesson. And like when you were a student... 
You are taught the material, but then you are tested to see how much you learned. And so sometimes God will test us to see how much we've learned. Sometimes we fail, like the disciples did. They got a big F on their test. Their faith was nowhere to be found. But sometimes we pass, and then we learn something. And now we have grown. We're wiser. Our faith is stronger. And that's a good thing. And how did that come about? Because of the suffering that we faced. But it's also true that Jonah was in a storm. And he ended up off the boat in the ocean, swallowed by a whale. And the only reason he was there was because he ran away from God. His storm was a storm of discipline. If he had obeyed God's call to go to Nineveh and preach to them repentance, if he had done that, he would never have been swallowed by a whale. Never had the storm, never had to bother with all of that pain and agony. Can you imagine the darkness of the belly of a whale for three days? That was painful, it was suffering, but it was only because of sin. So there's suffering in our life. Sometimes it's because we have ran away from God. Sometimes it's because we need to learn a lesson. And as I said, maybe we can't figure out which one it is. But I would tell you this, anytime there is suffering in your life, you should take a moment and examine it and try to determine. Because if there's sin that needs to be repented of and a life that needs to be changed, then you need to do that. God will discipline us. And when he does, we are told by the writer of Hebrews to endure. That means that we go through it. We persevere through it. He tells us to submit to God. That means we recognize that we are going through this with God. And that God has done it and God has a plan for it. And that we embrace its purpose of why God is doing it. Again, listen to the verse. God disciplines us for our benefit. You discipline your children for their benefit. They may not believe it, but it's the truth. The same is true for us. Our suffering is for our benefit so that we can be holy. It doesn't seem enjoyable. It's painful. But notice what it produces. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. As I've already said, in essence what God is saying is that everything that God brings into our life is for a purpose. It is to make us holy. It is to make us righteous. It is for us to produce a life of righteousness, for us to grow up, to mature. In other words, to be like Jesus. That is what our suffering and our discipline is for. God uses many things to discipline us. The natural consequences of our sin. I don't have to explain that. You understand when you sin, some things bring consequences. If you drink to excess, maybe you will have liver disease. Well, that is a natural consequence of your actions. The people in Hosea's day, they lived life, but they weren't satisfied. They had things. They were rich. They were wealthy, but they weren't satisfied. That was because God wouldn't allow them to be. Paul tells us that some illness is a discipline from God. 
Paul even tells us that some Christians die as a judgment for their sin. Jonah gives us an example of someone who was in a tragedy because of his sin. I would submit that God would do anything to get our attention. That's how much he loves us. So I want to remind you of this and give you one, two more verses. One to remind you that God is patient. So this is the good news this morning. God wants everyone to come to repentance. And because of that, he gives us time. Peter says the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the nation of Israel shows us that even God's patience runs out. And brothers and sisters, we don't know when that's going to happen. You may remain in sin and stay away from God and God may give you another year, another year, another year. But eventually, he may just say, enough's enough. So I want you to acknowledge that and also be challenged by the words that Moses said to the people of Israel when they made that covenant and made that promise to obey God. He said, the message is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you may follow it. See, today I've set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. In other words, Moses said, you know what to do. It's clear. In the verses preceding this, he says, it's not hard to know what to do. He says, make a choice. Moses said, I've given you a path. I've shown you obedience brings blessing from God and that disobedience brings discipline from God. I've shown you the path. It's easy to understand. It's time to make a choice. Which are you going to choose? Obedience and blessing or disobedience and discipline? The choice is yours. The same is true for us today. The choice is ours. Are we going to choose obedience to God and experience his blessing when the suffering he does allow in our life comes, we learn from it? Or are we going to choose to disobey and receive the punishment and maybe eventually the ultimate punishment for that sin? The choice is yours. Let's decide now as we respond. Father, my prayer is simply this that we would choose to follow you in obedience and that we would repent right now of any sin that's in our life that's hindering us from closeness to you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today who may be suffering and hurting. Lord, if it's a test of their faith, Lord, I pray that your presence in their lives would help them to pass the test with flying colors, to rely on you, to pray to trust you. Lord, if they are hurting today and they know it's because they're not right with you, if they know their suffering is a consequence of unrepentance, of sin, of disobedience, Lord, I pray that they would repent today and come back to you so they can experience your blessing again and experience the peace that comes from being close to you. Holy Spirit, speak as we respond, and I pray, amen.